juicy and fat, like a blood-gorged spider at the heart of its web, its abdomen a throb. I brush my thumb down the cubital vein, hard as a violin string under the skin and scattered with systematic punctures, some scabbed over and some red and fresh, my various points of entry. Look at what he's left me, what he's made me do. All those experimental powders, those double injections, and for what? The end is the same. My pulse thumps in vindication as I turn in the chair and stare across the cabinet laboratory at Jekyll's writing desk. The white envelope sits propped up against the brass and bell glass lamp, just as he left it an hour ago. Even in this one light... I can read the elaborate contour of ink across the envelope face. Gabriel John Utterson. For the past week I've watched Jekyll scratch out those buckled pages of frantic confession that are folded inside this envelope. Henry Jekyll's full statement of the case. Possessed by his own demented monologue, Jekyll would scribble, lips twisting for hours, and then he would stop cold and glance up, as if he detected a furtive footstep from behind. Amazed, I peered out, surrounded by the pump of his blood, the fizzling whisper of his thoughts, and watched him ease open the lowest drawer of the desk, lift the false wooden bottom, and stash the accumulating pages in the secret underspace compartment. As if he somehow hoped to hide them from me, as if he believed I couldn't read through his own eyes every word he was writing, believed I would rip his precious manifesto to scraps if he were to leave it lying in the open. Lunacy. And yet, after all that, this very morning, when he is finally finished, what does he do? He stuffs the pages into that envelope, addresses the crazy thing to his best friend and solicitor, and props it up right bloody there on his desk for me to destroy at my leisure. I won't destroy it, of course. I've no reason to touch it. Let Utterson find it and read it. The solicitor is no fool. From the moment he first heard my name fall from Jekyll's lips, Utterson knew he wasn't being given the story entire, but rather a carefully manicured account. Why should Jekyll's written confession be any different? From the first line, Utterson will see that the statement is anything but full, that it is little more than his friend's dying, desperate protestation of innocence. Why should I waste the effort? No, I won't deny Jekyll his pathetic self-exoneration, but neither will I let him have the final say. I don't know how much longer I have before Poole realises it's me festering up here, the wanted murderer, Edward Hyde, and not his master. Jekyll's man to the last, trusty old Poole. Twice a day for the past two months, he's been ferrying his master's meals on a tray with a domed silver cover across the gravel courtyard from Big House. Charred bangers and glutinous eggs, and a leaky slice of grilled tomato for breakfast, then a chop or chicken or minced pie sometimes for supper. But this arrangement won't continue indefinitely. 
Surely this evening, the moment Poole throws open the rusty steel door, he will feel the change, like a temperature drop in the gloomy depths of the surgery block below me. With chilled breath he will stand at the foot of the stairs, holding the tray, staring up the dark, rickety ascent at the cabinet door, behind which I crouch. Will he climb up to the door himself and knock? Or will he fetch Utterson to do it? Yes, it will be Utterson who knocks, Utterson who shouts out, Harry, open this door at once! Jekyll knew his friend would be coming, of course. Jekyll knew how it all would end. Utterson pounding at the door and Poole a step below, armed with some implement to smash the door down, that black-headed axe with a silver gleam along its lip. Take it down, Poole, Utterson will...